Hello and welcome once again to The Trigger Warning. We here at Queer Pressure Podcast like to give you, the listener, a heads up about any content that might make you feel uncomfortable. The following episode contains mentions of transphobia, homophobia, hate crimes, racism, transitioning, genitalia, and the turf queen herself, J.K. Rowling. If any of that sounds problematic to you, that's all right. You can go ahead and skip this one. If not, thank you for joining us for our season one finale, trans wizard Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasaurolophus. Hi, everybody. I'm Maddie Gray. And I'm Katherine Johnson, and you're listening to Queer Pressure Podcast. We are so glad you've decided to join us. Queer Pressure Podcast is a critical exploration of queerness in media as an act of radical self-love. Just a friendly reminder, Black Lives Fucking Matter. 18-year-old Devon Gregory of Jacksonville, Florida. His life mattered, and yet four police officers shot and killed him at a traffic stop last night. So, you know, this is a fucking child. A literal 18-year-old child. And four officers shot 35 bullets into his body. Um, so... If you can, please join your local protests. And if you can't do that, please put your money where your goddamn mouth is and donate to the bail funds for protesters in your area or to the GoFundMes of the families going through this shit. It's really, really important. If you look on a local level, there are direct action opportunities, things like just picking up supplies and bringing them to people of color or bringing things to protesters. Like when the fires were really bad in Oregon, I helped out where I would just help pick up some respirators somewhere and bring them to somebody who couldn't leave their house. There's always stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Even if it's you don't want to go out there and put your safety on the line. There are always things to do. On that note, what are you drinking? Oh, it's always coffee. Why do you always ask me? It's coffee with Coffee Mate Creamer. What are you drinking, Catherine? Well, because we're reading Chuck Tingle's novel, I'm of course drinking my morning chocolate milk obviously oh my god (laughs) before i explain what i just said uh, (laughs) a couple business things to talk about this is actually our last episode of our first season yeah we started right back at the beginning of quarantine and we now have 27 episodes and that's gonna be the end of our first season another topic we promised that we would give an update on destiel Destiel was our episode last week, which is the slash ship of Castiel and Dean from the series Supernatural, which was made uh, vaguely canon um, in their third to final episode. Last night was the last, last, last episode of the show, and there was a lot of hope that there would be a bit more concrete of a canonization of the couple. And from a quick perusing of Tumblr, that does not appear to have happened. Mm. Everyone's using the words hate crime and tetanus with abandon. So I think it seems like, spoiler alert, Dean was killed by tetanus, which is weird. (laughs) As a quick wrap up to that, I found a Tumblr post. I think it's funny by user, it's Romeo with three O's. And they said things that would have been a better ending to Supernatural than the actual finale. Dean tells Cass he's not only straight, but also homophobic and doesn't want to be friends anymore. Oh no! <laughs> Dean is bisexual, but just not into Cass. Oh. <laughs> a dramatic reenactment of a Destiel ABO fic. 
A 60-minute special about the dog that weirdly disappeared in the last episode. A 60-minute special about the rusty nail that killed Dean. A 60-minute special about Sam's party city wig. An awful 70s-style porno of Cass and Dean. Literally just a black screen. (laughs) Dean realizes he's gay, but then Cass comes back in a female vessel. Cass comes back and kisses Sam instead. Oh my god. Dean spends the whole episode trying to find Cass in ultra-mega turbo gay hell, just to hate crime him at the end. Oh my god. <laughs> Dean finds Cass in heaven and tearfully tells him he loves him back, but Cass revokes his confession after watching Dean get impaled by a rusty nail literal days after Cass sacrificed everything to save Dean's life. <laughs> a YouTuber-style apology video from the writers for queerbaiting their audience for 12 years. Everything is the same, but Dean dies getting run over by the Impala, which is their car. <laughs> oh my god. So old. That's how the supernatural ending apparently went. Not well. So sorry to everyone who came back to Tumblr in excitement only to, I guess, have Dean get killed by a rusty nail. And our last piece of business is that even though this is the last episode of our season, we are in December producing an original radio drama. Mm -hmm. Because of the lack of Christmas queer movies, we decided to make a parody of Love Actually called Queer Love Actually, and it's going to follow six <laughs> intermingling queer plot lines that center around Christmas. It's pretty funny. We're pretty excited about it. That will be coming out in December. Oh, yeah. It'll be a four-part mini-series. So please listen to that. And without further ado, what are we doing this week? Oh my god, do I have a treat for you. I, I can't wait. This week we are covering trans wizard Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasaurolophilus, an adult romance novel by Chuck Tingle. (laughs) From (laughs) two-time Hugo Award finalist Chuck Tingle. God damn. If you haven't heard about this book, I saw it like some memes about it on Facebook. It is like a parody of Harry Potter as a direct response to J.K. Rowling being a transphobe. And this guy, (laughs) he's really funny. He writes like bad romance novels. Let's look up some of the titles real quick just to give you an idea. Oh, I have them ready. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Lesbian roller coaster barista gets me off. A trans buckaroo tale. (laughs) The legend of sleepy butthole. Bisexual arcade machines work my sloths. Your honor... Pound my butt. (laughs) The sun and the moon bang me bisexually. (laughs) They're all so funny. He has so many books. Yeah. And this book was 150 pages. So I imagine he like spits these out pretty fast and they're pretty funny. So most of these are short stories. Um, He's only got like four or five novels. Um, But this is one of his novels. So we did a Harry Potter episode, I think, as our second episode. So back in like March. Mm -hmm. And this was before J.K. Rowling had her big blow up this year. She'd done some turfy shit, but hadn't explicitly identified herself as a transphobe yet. Not yet, but she got there. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you should definitely listen to it. We go a lot further into the implicit homophobia of Harry Potter and that it goes quite deep and there's a lot more to it than just her being a transphobe. But obviously her being a transphobe is enough to cancel her forever. Mm -hmm. But where we left it was saying 
kind of how a lot of people still feel about it's still our magical world and it's a part of our growing up so you can find a way to appreciate it but we've since had our minds changed so I'm I'm happy we're coming back to the subject of Harry Potter yeah me too because uh Madison and I made the joint decision together to stop indulging in Harry Potter altogether let me just say that and I don't want to offend people because I the quitting Harry Potter was really hard because we're yes. huge Harry Potter fans and have always been there was actually a moment for me where I was like did I ever get a Harry Potter tattoo yeah. and like looked all over my body and I was like no <laughs> I didn't we're good we had been planning them for forever so it was really hard at first but then after a couple months I got over it I can tell you 100% I'm over Harry Potter I don't miss it I don't know why I liked it that much. It's not as good as I thought. I think a lot of it is advertising that makes you want to throw your whole identity into Harry Potter. I think also maybe a part of it was the fandom. Like the fandom was a community that was, you know, so expansive and like was such a queer space. So it felt like a really good space to exist in as an adolescent. But you know, I've moved on from that. I don't need it anymore. It just made me think about the number of years that I didn't read anything besides rereading Harry Potter and what a yeah. waste that is. Because it, it makes you think that that's like genuine, that you can just like Harry Potter. It can just be a huge part of your identity. And last year, all of the Harry Potter things I did, like I went to the Yule Ball in Portland. I went to like mm -hmm. this Harry Potter night at this like coffee shop that's like this huge deal and we were gonna go see this original harry potter play i ended up in this group for a couple months where we were just like doing harry potter stuff together you and i madison went to like harry potter world a few years ago and we loved mm -hmm. it we we were going to possibly go do a harry potter larp in germany just how easy it is to only indulge in harry potter and it's made me realize like how much i was missing out on because monetarily they give us options to just like have harry potter in like every aspect of our lives that that can be the oh, yeah. default choice when there is so much other stuff to go out there and learn about because when we were watching legendary girl utna a couple weeks ago i remember turning to you and being like this is better than harry potter and you said critically yes in my heart also yes <laughs> and yeah. it just and it just kind of made me realize the number of things out there i've missed out on because you can be safe in identifying with harry potter and throwing all yeah. of your attention into it and it's not actually that good it's not and to the point where i actually had in my bumble profile not liking harry potter is a deal breaker yeah like and i had my harry potter house in my tinder profile you know mm -hmm. and gen z is correct it is not a personality trait <laughs> to like yeah, harry potter it's not sorry and i know it sounds impossible but it's it's kind of like all addictions that once you get away from it for a bit you're like why was i so obsessed with this thing yeah and exactly. i don't buy the excuse anymore of like that was my childhood so it's still special to me and i'm like i promise you if you get away from it a bit you will start to think like that was kind of weird not to invalidate how important it was to you no. as a child but it, you can move on from it as an adult which is the responsible thing to do because even when you say, I just want to like it, but not like her, indulging in any of it, like, you know, going to Harry Potter night at the coffee shop, in the end, puts money in her pocket. There are so many other things out there that are better, not just better in like a woke sense, but like critically better. <laughs> I now am seeing all these weird plot holes that I'm like, Slytherin House is just evil. I mean, I remember being a youth and defending yeah. Slytherin, being like, they're not all evil. They're just white supremacists. Yeah. I got talking to my friend about the Founders movie she wished she could see, and it would do a more nuanced take on Salazar Slytherin. And it, 
it made me suddenly realize that like the Slytherins are kind of an allegory for like self-fulfilling prophecy of you think they're Mm. bad and therefore they are bad but instead of showing us that that's not true she just doubles down on it and I remember her publicly saying that it's really troubling that people like Draco Malfoy when she could have done such a more nuanced take on that of like he's a child soldier yes who grows up hearing about hate and all this stuff and gets indoctrinated and she just lets him be a wimpy jerk at the end where it would have been so much more powerful to say like even if you were raised to believe these things you can get past it and you can be a good person but instead she really just tries to make you think that like no if you're a Slytherin you're just bad just bad Mm -hmm. writing and then but then the Slytherin she says is good at the end is Snape who was emotionally abusive to children for a living Mm mm-hmm Anyways, then we move on to Chuck Tingle, who redeems Draco Malfoy through Braco, a sentient motorcycle. A sentient motorcycle. Um, <laughs> can I read for you the back cover of Harriet Porber? Yes, you may. Please do. And I haven't read this back cover, so I'm blind reacting to it. I've read the book, but I haven't read the back cover. Trans wizard Harriet Porber is a master spellsmith who's found herself in a bit of a pickle. After finishing wizard college, Harriet made a name for herself by creating a hit viral spell, but has since failed to craft a follow-up. Now Harriet's agent, Minerma, is breathing down her neck, suggesting that Harriet take a trip to an island off the coast of England for inspiration. Hoping for some peace and quiet to clear her head, Harriet Porber arrives to find that her new neighbor, an angsty bard named Snabe from the band Seven Inch Nails is already there <laughs> making a racket. The Parasaurolophus, which is a type of dinosaur <laughs> spellcaster, is a bad boy through and through. And with his incredible powers of meta magic, Snabe reveals that this layer of reality is much more than it seems. Could Harriet and Snabe really be characters in a parody romance novel? Soon enough, <laughs> these two are discovering they have more similarities than differences. Both trans, both strong, and both hoping to create a new spell that will change the world. But with the addition of two devious sentient motorcycles in the mix, (laughs) Teletrix and Braco, things start to get complicated. Now, trans wizard Harriet Porber is caught up in a tale of magic and mystery where nothing is as it seems, except for one universal truth. Love is real. But you know what's funny? Is our the end what? of our Harry Potter episode? I I ended it with saying, you know, don't despair. Take this as inspiration to you know go write your own book. And as like an offhanded mm-hmm. joke, I'd said, go write your trans wizard book. And ta-da, mm-hmm. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> I'd like to think that Chuck Tingle listened to our episode and then wrote trans wizard Harriet Porber. How did you like the book? I fucking I loved it. <laughs> so good. Let's be fair. It's it's a dumb book, you know. It's dumb. Like the plot is contrived. It, who cares though? But because it's, it's so. It's good. funny. It's Snape is like he deals in meta magic, so he's he understands that he's a character in the book, and like half his dialogue is just talking about him being a bad boy trope and. Harriet just letting it slide by <laughs> and continuing with the mm-hmm. plot. We'll get there. Yeah. So at the top of every episode, we like to do this thing where we call out the bad, the problematic, the thing in the piece of media that makes us go, ooh, yeesh. Catherine, in trans wizard Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasaurolophilus, <laughs> what did you find that was bad or problematic? There are a lot of typos. There are a lot of typos. That is true. That's it. That doesn't seem problematic, yeah. though. <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> I mean, like, the o- I had to reach for something problematic. And the only thing I came up with was that this was written by a white cis man writing about trans people. Yeah. Which happens. You know. <laughs> Actually, let's talk about him, yeah, shall can we? can I read you the about the author from inside the book? Yes, you may. About the author. <laughs> Dr. Chuck Tingle is an erotic author and Taekwondo grandmaster, almost black belt, from Billings, Montana. After receiving his PhD at DeVry University in holistic massage, Chuck found himself fascinated by all things sensual, leading to his creation of The Tingler, a story so blissfully erotic that it cannot be experienced without eliciting a sharp tingle down the spine. Chuck's hobbies include backpacking, checkers, and sport. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to point out, DeVry University does not have a PhD degree in, in holistic, holistic massage. <laughs> and um, you cannot be a grandmaster taekwondo without having a black belt. So this is, mm-hmm. none of this is true. So Dr. Chuck Tingle not a doctor. is a pseudonym. <laughs> He's not a doctor. Is the pseudonym for the author of Harriet Porber and many equally absurd niche queer romance novels and short stories that he self-publishes on Amazon. So his work usually features erotica surrounding weird things like dinosaurs, unicorns, concepts, inanimate objects. Nobody really knows much about him or who he is, (laughs) but he's made a lot of claims about his identity. He's a self-proclaimed bisexual. At the end of all of his works, he presents himself as a Taekwondo grandmaster (laughs) and a PhD in holistic massage. In 2016, a person who was presented on his Twitter as his son, John, went to an Ask Me Anything on Reddit and stated that his father is an autistic savant who suffers from schizophrenia. So that's real interesting. Yeah. He also claims to use Photoshop to create his own book covers, which you need to look at these. They're very good. so funny. Yeah. And usually feature some sort of shirtless, sexy man juxtaposed with something absurd like a dinosaur or a fidget spinner. There is a Vox writer named Aja Romano who has speculated that he's doing this deliberate satire on poorly written self-published erotica, which, you know, definitely tracks <laughs> some of these stories about him are my favorite thing that's ever happened and i'm about to lose my mind in april 2016 space raptor butt invasion was shortlisted for a hugo <laughs> award for best short story in the hugo awards for science fiction as a result of a campaign by the alt-right sad puppies movement so you know it was a fluke <laughs> like it shouldn't have been shortlisted mm-hmm. Tingle disavowed this campaign, saying via Twitter that it was the work of devils. Uh, He did not win and subsequently published Pounded in the Butt by my Hugo Award loss. Following that in 2017, he was nominated for another Hugo Award, this time for Best Fan Writer, but did not win and subsequently published Pounded in the Butt by my second Hugo Award nomination. He was also that guy um, that created the website during Donald Trump's first presidential campaign, Trump Debate Facts. It went viral for a little while where he would like pretend to fact check things that Trump never said, usually claiming that they were attempts to hide that Trump was non-human. For example, (laughs) they fact checked the claim, I am not a poorly disguised mass of crabs wearing the skin of a bloated human. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like fakeness. I feel like he is. He is a crab man. And then he also released the book Slammed in the Butt by Donald Trump's (laughs) attempt to avoid accusations of plagiarism by removing all facts and concrete plans from his Republican National Convention's 
speech. <laughs> and then in 2019, he was featured on a YouTuber's uh, charity live stream to support trans kids in the UK. And just a few days later, he published a, a short story called Pounded in the Butt by My Handsome Sentient Manifestation of My Twitch Streams. He has like such a vast collection of wor- of work that he calls it a multiverse called the Tingleverse, and each individual story is called a Tingler, which I just find so fucking delightful. And just for anyone listening, this book was, I think, $12 on Amazon, and he is an independent author, so you don't have to feel guilty about buying this. You should buy it instead of reading it online if yeah. you have the money. Also, local bookstores are not carrying They don't this carry book. it, so it's not, so you have to get it through an online bookseller, but, but this is supporting an independent author. Do mm-hmm. not feel bad about buying this on amazon and he's actually donating 20 percent of the profits to charity that supports trans kids so 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 super don't feel bad about buying it on amazon it's one of the only places you can get it you can probably get it on like i don't know like google some shop i don't even know, I don't know if know. you can because he self-publishes on amazon from what i understand that's like the only way to really self-publish interesting Unless you just go print a bunch of them yourself and stand on a street corner and sell them. Um, So as much as Amazon is evil, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is the best way to buy things from independent authors. At this current state of time, yes, this is true. So... Trans wizard Harriet Porber. <laughs> Trans wizard Harriet Porber. This book is a direct response to J.K. Rowling being a nasty, nasty turf. So as we all know, J.K. Rowling showed her cards the last time we did an episode. And she just shows up as a worse and worse person. And the more she's called out, the more she digs her heels in about being a fucking turf. So as we said at the beginning of this episode, we did a Harry Potter episode back in like March and then JK Rowling exploded and it was in June she there was this op-ed piece about people who menstruate and she tweeted at it saying people who menstruate I'm sure there used to be a word for those people someone help me out wombin wimpund wumod so her saying only women menstruate and that's where it all kind of started where she the things she had done before it was like she was supporting transphobic people where this tweet was actually transphobic and as you said she showed her cards as a trans exclusionary radical feminist where in her head this is her fighting for the rights of women but she's excluding a large chunk of the women who need support the most which are transgender women and also including trans men who do not want to be included Right. Calling trans men women, which they are not. They are men who menstruate sometimes. And then she had that big tweet that blew up on June 6th. If sex isn't real, there's no same sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. Yes, it is. It's also not the truth. And then she responded to that tweet. The idea of women like me, who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences is a nonsense. Is a nonsense? That's that's not grammar. She's an author. (laughs) And then she responded to that one with, I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. 
At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it is hateful to say so. It's not mutually exclusive. J.K. Rowling? And bitch. God. People are discriminated against on the basis of being trans. Yeah, god damn it. You crazy woman. I'm sorry, that was ableist. God damn it. So then people started reacting to this and calling her out, rightly so, because she has enjoyed, you know, being the top author, beloved, precious gem of England for like 20 years now, right? Though yes. obviously her life was difficult in the beginning. We, I think everyone knows the the story of she got married. She was in an abusive relationship, I believe. I watched this in a Lifetime movie years ago, starring, starring Poppy Montgomery, <laughs> the incomparable Poppy Montgomery. She was a, then a single mother and was like living in her car writing Harry Potter on the back of napkins is like the famous story. But since then, she's been a gazillionaire. And while she's given a lot of money to charity, she's still richer than the Queen of England. So she retweeted this anonymous letter from a terrified lesbian on thevelvetchronicle.com and quote quoted from it, I've never felt as shouted down, ignored, and targeted as a lesbian within our supposed GLBT community, as I have over the past couple of years. Because a lot of older lesbians can be turfs. Yeah, and it, it's just so annoying that she chooses that to identify with. And it's like, you're not a lesbian, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, absolutely not. You do not get a say in LGBT issues. And people flipped out, rightly so. And she went on to, people were kind of waiting for her to apologize or something, but she doubled down and wrote like a transphobic manifesto. Mm-hmm. And I didn't read it, but I, from what I understand, it's very long and very horrible. I started it and I could not push through. I was like, okay, you've you've shown your cards and I'm done. For the most part, all of the like actors have come out on our side. They've still said, you know... If this is something that was important to you as a kid, like, hold on to that and stuff. But they do say, like, this is bad. She needs to stop talking. The notable exception being Eddie Redmayne, who plays Newt Scamander in the worst series ever, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is just replete with horrible nonsense. Mm -hmm. But he came out and said that, like, it was horrible how we were treating her. It's, It's so horrible that we take issue with a gajillionaire for being a transphobe. I remember someone posting about that and being like, oh, no, but I love Eddie Redmayne. And I commented and was like, are we surprised that a man who thought it was okay to win an Oscar for playing a transgender woman also thinks it's okay what J.K. Rowling is saying? Because he played a transgender woman in The Danish Girl. Which is in direct contrast to how the, like, main actors from the original series responded. Like, Emma Watson was like, my trans followers, I'm with you. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe was like, women, trans women are women. Um, even Bonnie Wright, who like played Jenny Weasley, she's she made a tweet that said, like, trans women are women. I see you and I love you. All of these young actors who came to be because of the Harry Potter franchise were like, oh, no, yeah. mama rolling. No, no, no. Why did you do yeah, that? And I, and I remember people saying, like, these young kids biting the hand who feeds them. And it's like, fuck that. OK, these kids are famous. Yes, because mm-hmm. of something she wrote, but also because of the work they did. They worked very different. Yeah, exactly. They worked very hard on those movies. And they are people. And people change as time goes on. And J.K. Rowling has become problematic. And we don't need to say, like, oh, well, she's done all this great stuff for us. Like, 
you have to give up on your heroes eventually if they turn to the dark side. What mm-hmm. if everyone was like, yes, Darth Vader killed those younglings, but remember when he saved the Chancellor in the bottle of Coruscant? <laughs> like, like, let's remember all the great work he did in the Clone Wars, guys. No. Yeah, the good things you did in the past do not outweigh the bad things you do in the yeah. present. Sorry, Sorry about it. But you're an adult. Shut your fucking mouth, J.K. Rowling. And then, oh, God. Oh, God. She went on to write a book that <laughs> whose name I will not speak under a pen name, Robert Gilbraith, which is the name of the father of conversion therapy. <laughs> and didn't she say she didn't know the that? The inventor. Like she, yeah, but yeah, like that's, that's a huge coincidence. Yeah. Um, it's not a common name. Also from the woman who posthumously made Dumbledore gay. And has since had opportunities to write in a queer plotline with Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts, but has refused to. Oh, not to mention that the book that she wrote was about a cross-dressing criminal. Um, yeah, so. that, like, didn't he, like, cross-dress so he could, like, come and kill women or something? It's like, yep. Jesus fucking Christ. Because she's a yeah, turf. Um, and, like, Warner, Bro- Warner Brothers put out a statement. The events in the last several weeks have firmed our resolve as a company to confront difficult societal issues. Warner Brothers position on inclusiveness is well established and fostering a diverse and inclusive culture has never been more important to our company and to our audiences around the world we deeply value the work of our storytellers who give so much of themselves in sharing their creations with us all we recognize our responsibility to foster empathy and advocate understanding in of all communities and all people particularly those we work with and those we reach through our content but it's as we've seen time and time again it's absolute bullshit warner brothers obviously has a lot of work but if we're just specifically looking at their current work in harry potter the fantastic beast franchise has horrible representation they wrote in a an asian character but she transforms into a snake and they refuse to let dumbledore and grindelwald be gay and they cast johnny depp which i've seen the fucking justice for johnny shit on facebook and knock it the fuck off i called out one of my friends for this just because amber heard is also problematic does not make johnny depp innocent he has admitted that there was wrongdoing on both sides they abused each other they're both pieces of shit they should both be fired you can call out Amber Heard, but do not tag it justice for Johnny. He does not deserve that job. Yeah. Get the fuck over it. Deep breath. Yes. Deep breath. Because this is not an episode about Harry Potter. Yes. Nor about J.K. Rowling. <laughs> it is about something good, Catherine. Something good in the world brought about as a result of Harry Potter. Harriet Porber. And that is trans wizard Harriet Porber. So switching gears back to Harriet Porber, even though both of our characters, our main characters in this are transgender, it's not hugely important to the plot. It's not like a transgender coming out story, in, but mm-hmm. it is still a central part of their characters, which is, I don't want to say better. Uh, we've talked a lot on this that there are a lot of movies and shows that only focus on kind of the, the coming out narrative or the difficult parts of being gay or queer or transgender and we wish there were more just stories where the characters are LGBTQIA. And this would certainly apply. As far as I can tell, I might have missed it. The first mention of Harriet being transgender isn't until page 11. And she says, mm-hmm. as a trans person, I haven't always been accepted by those with shitty attitudes and narrow minds. And over the years, I've learned to stick up for myself. And that is our first mention, which is a completely mm-hmm. organic way to bring that up without just on the first page, you know, saying like, as a transgender woman. Like, what I love about this story is that like, yes, we do need to have stories about the coming out narrative 
of trans people, but like we also just need stories yes about trans people like that their transness is not the conflict right. of their story and like in this story snabe and harriet's transness are never a part of their conflicts that ever come up right their conflict is that an evil motorcycle is trying to tear them apart <laughs> an evil sentient motorcycle with a face but their transgender part of their character is still very important and comes up in organic ways. So one of the things that made me really want to read this book was somebody posting that they were reading it as a joke, but then commenting on how, even though it's like this silly, tropey romance novel that's like a parody was clearly written quickly, there's still like complex like magic systems Mm -hmm. and this whole world. It's not just like Hogwarts because these are adults at first I was like this feels like he's writing a Harry Potter novel without (laughs) ever having read Harry Potter but there's a couple mentions in it that make me think he does know the source material quite well which makes it even more genius to write it something in a way that makes it seem like you haven't read it when you have but to talk about like the world we're in here's another snippet from the book about the magic system says There are several different kinds of magic doers in this world. She says, Wizards need their wands to cast spells, unlike bards who can simply sing or perform on a musical instrument to create magical effects, or warlocks who can manifest their magical powers through a pact with some omnipresent author named Chuck. (laughs) So... Um, there's a lot of mentions of the omnipresent author named chuck tingle a lot of meta happening so our main character is a wizard and her love interest is a bard which was actually a really fun idea there's a there's a lot of things in this that i'm like why didn't harry potter ever think about that It, it is a really fun idea that it's this entire type of magic person that just makes songs and the songs are all spells and like when you're listening to something on the radio it makes a spell happen to you harriet makes her living crafting spells she's a spell crafter which is something that never comes up in harry potter is like where do these spells come from when she makes spells they they're sold through an agency which is like that's how it would actually be you know absolutely yeah, like you you buy a spell and learn how to do it instead of it all just being in a textbook. It's it's a bit more realistic. Absolutely. Yeah, like there there aren't really things in the real world like that where it's just everything you need to know, you're going to learn it in free from high school. And there's different specializations of magic in this story as well. So not only do we have like different types of magic casters, we have the wizards, the sorcerers, the warlocks, the bards. We also have like Snape, his his focus in magic is meta magic. So as a character in the story, he's constantly aware of the fact that he's a character in the story. Would you like to hear Snape's introduction? Absolutely love that. I raise my hand to pound on the door one last time when it suddenly opens wide and I stop dead in my tracks. I'd fully expected to find the motorcycle standing before me. Just to reiterate, the antagonists in this book are sentient motorcycles named Delatrix and Braco. I'd fully expected to to find the motorcycle standing before me with those same obnoxious grins. But what I receive could not be any farther removed. There in the doorway is a tall, breathtakingly handsome dinosaur, shirtless and chiseled in all of his muscular glory. He's covered in tattoos, giving his scaly green canvas an even more exotic edge, and his eyes are wide and yellow. His face is covered in a perfectly timed five o'clock shadow, not long enough to be a beard, but nicely emphasizing his dark features and strong jaw. His hair is long and dark, providing an angsty gothic frame to his handsome mug. He appears to be a parasaurolophophobe. He appears to be a 
Parasaurolophus. Oh God, I cannot. I cannot say. Parasaurolophus. Wait. Yeah, I cannot say. I gotta look at it. Hold on. Parasaurolophus. 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 Okay, we got there together. God damn it! It's taken us all morning, but we got it. (laughs) We got it. Yeah, and so Snape is a bad boy, Parasaurolophus, and um. (laughs) he's extremely aware of this. About a page later, he says, It's a trope in romance, the dinosaur continues to explain. The more of an asshole I am in this part of the book, the better the payoff is when you change me later on. I have no idea what you're talking about, I reply, shaking my head from side to side. It's okay, the parasaurolophus continues, just as long as it's clear that this is fiction. In the real world, you should probably just break up with someone who acts like this, or even quit their class. (laughs) Which that that was what made me think he knows Harry Potter quite well. Oh, absolutely. I'm I have no doubt that he does. And he talks about this stuff all the time. About a page later, he says, Trust me, I don't love acting this way either. I guess it's just important to remember just because a fictional character is a jerk, it doesn't mean the author is too. Likewise, if a fictional character is sweet and awesome, their author could still be really awful and bigoted. Why are you telling me this? I question. I'm not telling you. I'm telling the reader. The dinosaur informs me. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because it's like all this weird contrived writing and then suddenly just something so brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's so Absolutely. it's so funny to read. So like we've said, the story is never necessarily about Harriet or Snape being trans. They just are. Their transness is never a center of the story. Which isn't to say that, like, there shouldn't be media that centers their transness, but it's about two people that just happen to have something in common. So during the first sex scenes, they have this pretty hot and bothered conversation about how they want their bodies to be used and what their parts are called. You know what? I learned a lot from that. (laughs) sure did yeah and it happens like in the moment naturally and really adds to the heat of the scene rather than slowing things down to explain to the reader this is how things should be done or anything like that right so harriet pulls down snape's pants and sees that snape is wearing a strap-on and that's the only time it's ever called a strap-on because snape immediately says like call this what it is it's my cock you know it's not what you, you it's not a strap on this is my cock and and harriet immediately responds with your cock is huge (laughs) (laughs) and it adds to the sexiness of the scene it's not just like this oh she's cute and being accepting it's 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 quite sexy oh yeah and then that continues to play out through that scene where she explains that like her genitalia, she says, call it what it is. This is my clit. And for the rest of the book, it's called her clit. This is really important because, like, although this is written by, we presume, a cis man because we don't actually know who Chuck Tingle is. We've talked about this part on this podcast so many times. But, like, representation, it's so fucking important. And although this is obviously not a book for children... Um, <laughs> What I'm about to say, like, goes for young adults, too. Because when you see yourself in media, your perception of yourself changes. And if you don't see yourself, you internalize, like, being other or being not normal and therefore bad or wrong. And that's why it's so important, especially during our formative years, to see ourselves depicted in media that we consume. Right. And I'm not suggesting that you read Trans Wizard Harriet Porber to your kids. In fact, I would say please don't. Please don't. Um, <laughs> it is an erotic it novel. Quite raunchy. Yeah. But if you are 18 plus, like maybe grappling with your childhood love for Harry Potter, butting up against your queerness, please read this book. It's funny. <laughs> it's not a lot like Harry Potter. And but it's validating. Because when you 
refuse to show like a minority or someone different story, it implicitly says that story is not worth being told. Exactly. And these stories are worth being told for sure. And then another kind of literary device Chuck uses through this book that I think is actually very clever is Snape's spell that he's working on because they're both trying to craft spells and Snape is a bard so he's doing it through music and because he's like it's meta magic there's this just like current going through of what his spell is and even though it's not the main focus of the book it keeps coming back to this theme of it's okay to be beautiful in your own skin about Halfway through the book, he he talks about his spell he's working on. And this is Harriet thinking about it as she is listening to the spell. The magical effects of this song spell quickly begin to take hold, even more refined than they were the last time I heard it. Not only do I see myself as a character on a page, I see the actual words themselves. I gaze out through the limits of this world and see the reader themselves, their mouths instinctively curling up into a smile when they realize they're being referenced. Most importantly, I realize this body is something the author their places characters into but it's not the character themselves characters can jump from story to story whether it's a young adult fantasy or an explicit romance parody and still maintain the things that make them so special and unique and important they can be placed into a body that fits them perfectly or one that is hopelessly out of sync a professor a rock star or a dinosaur either way what makes them who they are is the heart and soul of each character not the shell that it's wrapped in so that's like the first description of the spell but it, it continues on through the book and I've said this before, but I think it's very clever. It's extremely clever, yeah. Because you're suddenly, you're paying attention to the story and then it keeps coming back to try and talk to you personally through mm -hmm. Snape's spell. And, and it happens it happens a little subtly where you're just kind of listening to Harry and then suddenly the book's talking to you and then it goes back mm -hmm. to the story and it makes you smile. It makes you feel like, oh, you know, it's like, that's yeah, not- Yeah, I actually did smile while it was saying like, the reader who's now smiling like yeah. i was like oh that's really cute and then it goes back to the story because it's that's not the point of the story the story it's a romance novel it's about them getting together but he does try to work in this stuff about being transgender is fantastic in this moment of talking about how you can take a character and write them into another story placing them in a different body or a different occupation and they're still them at their core is just such a lovely metaphor for being trans among all of this weird motorcycle who still have hands and drink chocolate milk to get drunk. Exactly. And for some reason, the only thing that Harriet ever eats is spaghetti. Mm -hmm. Which, girl, live your life. I would be right there with you. Like for breakfast, she eats spaghetti. And the only thing they drink in this world is chocolate milk. And it's not explained. It's given as something we should just understand. But it's usually referenced as like alcohol because there's a lot of rock stars in this book and towards the end of the book they're like all trying to get off the chocolate milk but Harriet also has chocolate milk it would seem as coffee like in the morning she you know heats up a pot of chocolate milk in the morning and so mm -hmm. then I'm like is there just different kinds of chocolate milk but then she's having her like coffee chocolate milk in the morning and Snape like kisses her and then someone else is asking, like, are we going to open a cold chocolate milk later? And he was like, oh, I just had some on my girlfriend's lips. That's all the chocolate milk I need. Referencing that it's the alcohol chocolate milk. And it's just so. never explained. <laughs> but they're, no. they're always drinking chocolate milk. And it made me want chocolate milk so bad. I just remember <laughs> the first time it referenced it. It said, like, it was trying to talk about how Delatrix is, like, a bad motorcycle. And it was saying, like, she was holding a bottle of chocolate milk. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
And then you slowly find out that chocolate milk is alcohol, but also coffee. But also water even? Who knows? Who knows? I don't hear them drink anything besides chocolate milk, I feel like. Going back to the meta thing, like as Snape's spell progresses, he's working on his song and he's like, it's not quite perfect yet. It's almost, this is actually a quote right here. It's Mm -hmm. almost done. It's very close. It's affecting the characters in the book, but I wanted to do more than that. I want the reader to know that they're beautiful and strong and important in whatever body they inhabit. And I was like, ow, my feelings. Yeah. And once again, that seems a little heavy handed, but it just that crops up here and there within this like tropey romance novel. He suddenly just tells the reader how great they are. It's Snape is so funny. He is. Because he has got half his foot in another world, in our world. And they just kind of mention it and then keep going. It's so funny. It is really funny. Like his self-awareness is just so on point. And they mention so many times where he's like, I'm this bad boy character. I don't want to be. This is really toxic. And he really, really, really hits that home where like J.K. Rowling writes Draco Malfoy is like extremely toxic and people still love him. And she only went as far to say like it's troubling that people like Draco Malfoy. She didn't do anything in the book to explain why. Right. Exactly. Like, in fact, I think in the epilogue of Harry Potter, she says that Draco and Harry are on speaking terms. I'm like, what? Are you trying to redeem this bitch after you are the one who said it's troubling that anybody likes him? Mm -hmm. Come on. And it's just upsetting because a lot of people really love that character. Mm -hmm. And he's just, you know, supposed to be this like toxic bully and it doesn't get into the deeper parts of that. You know, I think it would be really good for people, young people, to see this character who fights back against what his parents believe and not just because we have Sirius but it's like so easy for Sirius he just isn't racist yeah you know he has a rich best friend who lets him lets him live with him like yeah it sets it up in the way I guess we have his brother who changes his mind but it's such a small part where the main character we have who fights back against the racist parents is Sirius and it's just given he just was never racist he was just always a good person um it's lazy and well, yeah, and instead of it it being more complicated than that, that Draco is terrible, but he is a child soldier. He is being forced to fight for his life, but no, he's toxic and bad, you know? Like, Draco, however, mm-hmm. is a naughty sen- sentient motorcycle who- Draco's also a girl. Draco's a girl, yeah, that's true. A sexy motorcycle girl. In the sexy motorcycle harem that belongs to Snape. That was such a funny line. God, she was like, I I'm not interested in being it. part of your motorcycle harem. <laughs> and and they always stop to say, like, there's nothing wrong with you having a motorcycle harem. I just don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, like, they do that, like, twice. Like, every time they bring up the motorcycle harem, they're just like, uh, Chuck Tingle is just like, it's fine. I just don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, it's okay that you want to have casual relationships with these two drunk motorcycles. That's totally legit, but... That is not personally what I want in my life. <laughs> do you want to read the um, Bumbleborn thing? It's on page one. God, yes, I do. Yeah. It was one of my, uh, like, this was a moment in the book that really got me. I howled out loud because it was so funny. Towards the end of the book, we get introduced to Bumbleborn, who is Snape's very good friend, but also his former bodyguard. He's a woolly mammoth with a wizard hat. And he wears like a leather jacket. And as soon as we're introduced to him, as soon as Harriet is introduced to him, he says, 
I'm gay, Bumbleborn says. Uh, what? I stammer, a little confused. That's cool. I just wanted to say that clearly in this story, instead of claiming years later that there was subtext the whole time. <laughs> that made me fucking... I died. I lost That it. was yes. so funny. <laughs> Which, once again, makes me think he, he understands this source material really well. Mm-hmm. It's not just, like, some random guy was like, I'm going to make this funny book. Like, he really understands it. And the issues of Harry Potter, which also... Yes. Just, like, the power of that, of, like, this guy who's um, more famous than we are, right? He's a more notable figure, understands our complaints. And um, it it's validating to read those things somewhere. Like, it's it made me realize how much it's worth saying it to see somebody else have come to the same conclusion as us of like yes. this this is fucked up this is fucked up this is fucked up and it's like yes we were right you know <laughs> like it helps against the gaslighting coming from jk rowling exactly i didn't have words to put it that way but yes it, it helps you fight in your own head against the gaslighting that jk rowling has been doing to us right. for all these years where you could say like why do we need this like silly little book but it's just that little bit of him making that joke is it's funny as fuck but it's also very validating exactly to know that we are not the only ones who are hurt by this thing it's not just like a little thing like okay whatever get over it it's like no legitimately that's it's so dumb of her <laughs> so stupid it needs it to be called super out stupid in case you're deciding to read this book we're going to do some spoilers now so maybe i don't know jump off for 10 minutes what another thing i really love about this book So at the end, Snape has gone off to go restart his career and he's going to a concert and Harriet was recently injured. So she's staying behind on Port Tork Island with Bumbleborn. (laughs) Um, But evil Delatrix, I I don't know if we mentioned why, but Delatrix wants to get back with Snape. That's why she's doing all these naughty things. So evil Delatrix is trying to murder Harriet. And when they realize the danger they're in, they all get on a yacht and head to the high seas to try and meet up with Snape. And for a second, I was like, this kind of bums me out that Snape's going to be like the hero here, that she's getting to him to be safe rather than her being the hero. But that is not what happens at all. So they're on this yacht. With Braco, who is driving, out of the shadows comes Delatrix, wild and raving about how she must have Snape and Harriet's in the way, so Harriet must die. And she shoots Bumbleborn with magic, and mm-hmm. he topples over. And then she shoots Braco, who thought she was only going to be there to scare Harriet, and she goes to kill Harriet. And Harriet's spell that she's been working on this entire time saves her. She's working on this spell that's very abstract, but it's a spell that gives you the thing you need when you need it. And she's been working really hard on it and she doesn't think it worked. And you can, I mean, it's a book, so you can tell what's going to happen. Yeah. But um, ultimately, it's the spell does come through and she gets, it's like a piece of driftwood, I think, at the end that helps her. No, it's the ore that earlier yeah that earlier delatrix hit herself in the head with to go to the hospital to get sympathy from snabe and and harriet had thrown it into the ocean earlier in the book and it shows up out there so it is harriet in the end who saves herself from this situation and i was like this this book's just hitting all the right things you know Mm -hmm. in fact she saves 
Bumbleborn because he got shot and he survives and ends up in the hospital. It takes all of these like tropes that we know and turns them around, which I think is just so clever in modern fiction. Yeah, it's just 10 out of 10. The book does everything it's supposed to do in a soapy romance novel. And it's very, very aware that it's a soapy romance novel Mm -hmm. the entire time. So that keeps it like funny (laughs) the entire time. But after Harriet saves herself, we our final scene is at a uh, Snape's concert and we get the last bit of Snape's spell. The arena momentarily disappears and for a brief second, all of us understand how beautiful, unique, and important we really are. We realize our place as characters on a journey who are better at being ourselves than anyone else's and the cosmic power that comes with that, which I really like. Mm -hmm. We fully grasp that sometimes our bodies and our souls are perfectly matched and sometimes they're matched in a way that's uncomfortable. But these differences speak nothing to the purity and strength of the soul itself, which just is so much nicer to say than anything J.K. Rowling has ever said. Ever. Ever in in this in this weird little hundred fifty page book that's on the second to last page, mm-hmm. and and that's not the theme of the book, but it's just really nice and well said, and and I love the idea of the cosmic power that comes with we know ourselves better than anyone else does. J.K. Rowling does not know your gender identity, Mm-mm. and and it's and don't hurtful. let people like her dictate that to you. Yeah, and it, and it's hurtful because she has such a command on so many of the things we love for her then to try and tell you who you are and then play the victim about it when we try to call her out. So this is just, I think, wonderfully said. I agree. Trans wizard Harriet Porber is like a referendum on J.K. Rowling and, and a hot take about metamagic. And it just like really gets to my heart even though it's like so cheesy and so silly like it's a piece of media that needed to be in this world and I'm so glad I got to read it and like you know it's not super expensive it's like 12 bucks for a physical copy of the book um it's 150 pages so it's a quick read I'm dyslexic I'm the slowest reader around and I read it in like four and a half hours and I mean it's not going to change your life you know it's not like it's not war and peace or anything, but it is a fun read. And I think it's a good thing to have in your literature lexicon in your head. I hope that it's it blows up soon and we get to be hipster about it and be like, we already read it. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to proudly display it on my bookshelf in the living room <laughs> with all Absolutely. of my notes inside of it. My roommate and his girlfriend have both now looked at the cover and been like, what is this? And I just beam at them with pride since this is the last episode of our podcast i do think that that last little snippet from the book was a good kind of summation of (laughs) what we are supposed to have learned this season i agree oh wow i didn't even think about it that way but really like as our season finale i'm so glad that this book was the thing that we decided to do last yeah something a little lighter but nice because we've definitely talked about some heavy things in the last 27 episodes. And a conglomeration of all the things we've been trying to learn over this season. Yeah. Like, this is a podcast about learning self-love and what better message than the message of Harriet Porber. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read that section just one more time. One more time for me, please. Thank you. Yeah. The arena momentarily disappears, and for a brief second, all of us understand how beautiful, unique, and important we really are. We realize our place as characters on a journey who are better at being ourselves than anyone else is, and the cosmic power that comes with that. 
we fully grasp that sometimes our bodies and our souls are perfectly matched, and sometimes they're matched in a way that's uncomfortable. But these differences speak nothing to the purity and strength of the soul itself. You've been listening to season one of Queer Pressure Podcast and our critical explorations of queer media as a continued practice of self-love with Katherine Johnson. And Maddie Gray. Hey, you. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing, following, or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. It helps us a lot to know that somebody likes our podcast, and then maybe somebody will see that review and listen to us. You can follow us on social media. We post memes, new episode announcements, and polls each and every week. And that's where you're going to find the episodes for Queer Love Actually as well. If you want to follow us, search for at QueerPressurePC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Once again, that's at QueerPressurePC for podcast. Not for Parasaurolophus cock. (laughs) That was so good. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back in the new year. And hopefully next year is better. We can only hope. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this season, y'all. We'll be back. Bye. And as always, fuck the police.